Hello and welcome to the Chicken Nick podcast. Supported by the Idea Juice Network, we are a bunch of curious individuals based out of the Northeast, and we strive to bring you the best of policy discussions through the intersection of things that affect your and our daily lives. If you like what we do, show your support by sharing our work. Don't forget to leave your comments on this episode in our social media handles. To our listeners tuning in, welcome to the second season of the Chicken Nick podcast. In our first episode today, we have with us Mr. Nilutpal Guhai, who is the author of the book The Legend of Lachit Borfukan, and who is also serving as the Assistant Registrar of Cooperative Societies with the Government of Assam. We will be discussing his book and also the life and stories of Lachit Borfukan with Nilutpal. Welcome to the show, Nilutpal. Thank you, thank you for having me, Neil, and it's my privilege to be in the show. Thank you. So, uh, first of all, you know, as we uh, discuss a lot of things about Lasit Borfukan, who's a icon for the northeastern states, what was your inspiration behind writing such a book? And you know, are there any special anecdotes that you w- would like to share with us that you experienced while writing the book? <laughs> well, this book happened by chance. I'm basically someone who writes dark fiction, thriller, horror, all those kind of stuff. So, once what happened, I was on a field trip. to uh, uttar guwahati uh, uttar guwahati is the uh, the other side of the brahmaputra from guwahati uh, so <clears throat> while going there you know, on the way i i saw a school where it was written as uh, lachit uh, gor uh, english medium school however uh, as as we know gor in uh, asmis means a rampart there was no proper rampart or anything in that place so basically there was a rampart uh, in in olden days but that has been you know destroyed or demolished and the school has come up so i it got me thinking that you know the assam history is so rich but it has not been properly documented so uh, i came back home and i started researching on it and when i th- got some solid material on on lachit borfukan i thought no i have to write this book I got in touch with my literary agent Suhail Mathur and I pitched him the idea. He said, uh, "Yes, go ahead, let's let's do this." And he pitched it to a few publishers and uh, even movie producers. So uh, after about a week he called me back and he said, "Bhai, tere ko do do deal mil gaye hain, one movie deal and one publishing deal." <laughs> I was I was very happy at that point of time. So they gave me 6 months to complete the book. uh for the in those 6 months i did the research and and the book as well it it went uh, on in a simultaneous way and after 6 months i completed and submitted the book so the, that's the basic journey of the book it's interesting you speak about your journey by you know of starting the book just while you were traveling to the other part of kohati <laughs> right? so it's a lot of people travel to that part not everybody you know start with the idea of writing a book uh but as you said that you took 6 months mm-hmm. towards writing the book mm-hmm. and one question that we were very interested in asking you was how difficult was it for you to find resources mm-hmm. uh to write the book because even though your book when we went through it we realized that even though it is specifically you know it of course talks about lasit borfkon in a lot of places but it also gives a very good historical account of the times mm-hmm. in, during that you know period during wars during discussions between them how assam was divided into different sections which we will of course discuss throughout the episode today but tell us about your process of writing the book 
was it easy for you to get the resources did you have to translate a lot of stuff mm-hmm. so how how was that about <laughs> that's a very good question actually uh, what happened i w- i was lucky so to say because i met right people at the right time <laughs> uh, one of uh, a very eminent historian of assam uh, dr rajen saikia i approached him and i said sir i'm writing a book on lachit borfukon do you have do you have any material he he told me that to write a book on lachit you have to read a few other books as well for example the life history of aton boraguhai he was the boraguhai in those times then he gave me two three books of assam history he gave me a book which had you know all the dialogues between uh, the kings and and the sentries and and the envoys all the dialogues were written in those in that book in even the um, what to say the treaties have been written in those books and then he gave me one important book which had uh, it, it's the original buranji buranji is the chronicle ahom chronicle so all these books i took about 2 months to read and formulate a proper story you know uh, i took few things from one book few things from the other book and the basic story was structured from the book uh, called uh, lachit borfukan and his times by surya kumar bhuya it is the it is one of the oldest and the best documented life history of lachit borfukan but again it's a history book so it's not that entertaining and you know it it reads like a history book so i wanted to make it entertaining as well as you know interesting so uh, i did fictionalize a few things but the facts are same the facts remain the same but you know you have to visualize and and write uh, the story so the only visualization part i did but otherwise it's all fact and secondly one thing i struggled a lot is about the social history of those times we have the political history documented in in the chronicles but the social fabric the people the demography the architecture it's not it has not been properly documented so i struggled with that part a bit but then uh, with meer jumla one uh, traveler came called sahibuddin talish he documented a proper you know uh, social history of those times so from that part i took the social history and some of the help i got from uh, a few history professors who gave me some insights so that that was the whole process and yes i had to translate the dialogues uh, i i said that the, there was a book on dialogues i had to translate those dialogues and it took me some effort because you know those days the asmis is quite tough <clears throat> now translating that asmis into english first of all i had to learn what that asmis word meant I, i'll just give you an example uh, there there was a word called uh, mosua so i had to f- search for what is mosua and then i asked a few people i went through a few dictionaries and then <laughs> finally i find found the word mosua is like the cloth we put uh, uh, at the bottom while sitting so that is mosua so i had to struggle in in only that part otherwise every information was available in the, in the books and uh, that helped me a lot in writing the history and i visited the places as well Uh, most of the places are in upper uttar guwahati and in uh, nearby panbazar paltan bazar area so all these places i visited that gave me a good insight
you know it's really interesting that you covered so many things in your book and you traced all of these things from so many sources uh, mm-hmm. especially that uh, you know the fact that you took into account these chronicles and these uh, historic literature mm-hmm. that perfectly grasps the interactions that happened during those times and uh, as you pointed out uh, that you know you've uh, fictionalized it a bit as well but there are the facts that are st- still there that are constant in your book as well so you know when you were going through this literature mm-hmm. what were the kind of stories uh, surrounding lachit borfukon and the ahom dynasty because you as you pointed out you did not only read up on lachit but mm-hmm. you read up on characters who were there with him during that time mm-hmm. and the interactions that other people were having so what was certain characteristics or traits that you remember or you admired when you were going through the literature yeah the first and foremost characteristic or, or the uh, quality of lachit borfukon which i admire a lot is the leadership quality he was a true leader uh, he was a, if if you you've read the book I, i'm sure you've got that point where the battle of saraighat happens uh, at that point of time if you've read it you have seen that he was very ill he was extremely ill but even then just to lead the army he got up and he led the army uh, in the battle and he won the battle if he would not have appeared uh, himself he would not have appeared himself uh, in the battlefield there were there were high chances that the ahoms would have lost the battle so that was one quality which i really appreciate and then secondly atun buraguhai that character is very important in the uh, in uh, ahom history because his strategy of you know uh, his war strategy was very unique so to say because he uh, what he did is, is that he utilized the geography of the region to defeat the moguls in the in their own territory and secondly he he was the driving force behind lachit's you know uh, at at point, at some point of time lachit would uh, lose his morale and he he would be the one who would you know drive him to uh, or or motivate him to get up again so i admire that character also a lot atun buraguhai and secondly um, during those days the uh, the feeling of patriotism was very high people uh didn't think much to you know uh, sacrifice their lives uh, for for the motherland and in fact uh, there is one very beautiful line which we all asmis admire is that dekhot koi mumai dangor no hoy my uncle is not bigger than my country so that is uh, that is that one single line only signifies the kind of passion the ahoms and the asmis had for their motherland and you know that that is one of the main essence of your book like when we were going through your book mm-hmm. what was really interesting is the fact that you not only managed to capture lachit because over the years we've seen attempts uh, to capture lachit uh, in the in books but you have also managed to capture the interactions that he had the characters that molded his entire life mm-hmm. right from his entry into the army to the people he confided in or the people who he uh, you know he worked with so mm-hmm. this gave us a sense of his character and also of the social structure and the way people lived during those times so 
you know, how did his interactions, as you already pointed out, it was very important, uh, Otton Boraguhai's role was very important uh, in Lachit's life and his life as a warrior. So how did these interactions influence the entire Battle of Saraghat? You know, people who were in and around Lachit, how did they help or, you know, they contribute to the build-up of the Battle of Saraghat? Uh-huh. Uh, well, uh, each and every character had an important role to play. Uh, in in some places, you'll see even the insignificant character has, uh, you know, uh, created a lot of impact in the battle. Uh, for example, there is uh, one character called Pelon Fukun. He, uh, he aspired to be the Bor Fukun, but he couldn't because Lachit got the post. So somehow he was, you know, uh, having a cold war with Lachit during the whole war. But... Uh, when the final moment came and when he had to, you know, perform for the country, he, he gave up all those aspirations he, and he went behind uh, Lachit and he fought for the country. Secondly, there is another character, um, I've mentioned it in a small bit called the Baghazarika, if you have read it. Baghazarika's character is a disputed character. But, you know, uh, people have not denied his presence. But uh, there have been instances where they have said that there there was no character. Uh, some of the peop- some of the you know factions of the people they say there there is no character called Baghazarka. But historians they don't outrightly deny that there was no character. But his role was very significant. They don't agree to that. So uh, even uh, even if Baghazarka uh, character is there, if we uh, uh, agree to it, his title Hajorika is not a very high up title it's it's like uh, uh, um, uh, you know leader of thousand sentries or thousand soldiers so uh, hazorika title is for thousand soldiers so if we consider that then we'll, we can say that even even if there is one small instance where he you know fills up the cannonballs cannons of of the uh, mughals with water that small instance has helped a lot in, you know, uh, in 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 the first assault which the Mughals try to uh, do with uh, the, which the Mughals um, try to attack the Ahoms and gain gain the territories. So Baghazarika's character is also important. Then uh, obviously Swargadev, Jaydwaj Singh, Swargadev Chakradas Singh, and in fact. While shaping his life, I'd say his father, Mumai Tamuli Borborwa's uh, role was very important because he had seen uh, his father, uh, how he manages uh, the affairs of the state and how he, uh, how he, you know, performed uh, as uh, Borborwa because Borborwa and Borfukon, the whole, uh, this thing, uh, the title were the same during the first, uh, first half of of the book. Later the Borfukon title came. So Borborwa's title was very important. Borborwa's role was important. And he had seen while growing up how his father performed in, his, in the court and in the affairs of the state. So that shaped his life a lot. So his father's role and uh, those, those are the main characters which have shaped the whole history during those times. And uh, and uh, for all of us, I think that was the most interesting, one of the most interesting angles of the book where we got to know about characters which we wouldn't have come across quite easily in other parts of literature. Mm-hmm. And you also pointed out that there were others, other contemporaries during Lachit's era who mm-hmm. 
were also interested in getting this same uh, position that he was. But, you know, so could you take us through the rise of Lachit Borfukon in the Ahum army, his journey from his entry to the army to how he eventually became the leader he is known for? Oh, okay. <laughs> well, uh, Lachit started off as Hasoti Dhara uh, Burwa. Uh, yeah. So, Hasoti Dhara, I'm sorry. I, I probably missed it. Just yeah, Hasoti Dora Borwa. He it, it was like uh, the personal secretary. Okay, the post was like personal secretary. He was the personal secretary of the of his father, and he used to attend all those special meetings and all, uh, which his father attended as as his father's personal secretary. Then he was uh, he was given various other posts also. Later he was given the post of Gura Borwa the uh, custodian of royal's stable and um, there is one instance in the book where um, the Sorgodo appreciates his um, uh, ability as the Ghorwa Burwa because uh, Sorgodo says that you know if Lachit has tamed the horse then the, while riding the horse it feels like I'm riding on, on a palanquin so that is one instance where his capability or uh, the ability as a leader it it comes out then uh, later he was given the post of uh, simolo goria fukon simolo goria fukon is a you know frontier officer simolo gor was one of the frontier of the ahom kingdom he was the custodian of that fort and then later he was given the post of dula kakhoria borwa dula kakhoria borwa is the uh, was the post of um, the uh, chief uh, security officer of of the king. So while he was the Dulakakoria Borua, he was promoted to Borfukon. So later he was he came to know, be known as Lachit Borfukon. Uh, and that that really presents an interesting uh, way in which he progressed through the ranks, and I think that was uh, we I think that was one of the reasons where he why he he was such a well uh, aware journal because he had seen it all right from tame, uh, having dealt with horses to mm -hmm. being in charge of a fort. Yeah, and you know uh, one thing that you had pointed out uh, a while back was that when you visited the places, most of these places were in and around Upper Assam or Guwahati, not Guwahati, mm -hmm. Palton Bazar, Pan Bazar, which are mm -hmm. places that are still there in Guwahati. Mm -hmm. So, and you've also dedicated a uh, very specific chap chapter to the importance of Guwahati in the Battle of Saraighat. Yeah, where the Ahom generals are seen. Uh, having a strategic meeting as uh, for the course of action. Mm -hmm. So tell us a bit about the importance of Guwahati uh, for Ahums in their in you know in their attempts to protect their kingdom and how they used uh, since the Ahums were also known for using the geographical situations to their advantage. How did they use the geographical situations back then to their advantage against the mighty Mughals? Uh -huh. Well, the uh, geography of Guwahati is very unique. Uh, the Guwahati uh, the the north bank and the south bank of Guwahati of, of the river Brahmaputra is uh, hills in, in both the sides. Right from in the north bank, right from Kurua to Agarathuri, Agiathuri, sorry. All, all, uh, the whole stretch of that bank is, fill, is completely a, a straight line of hills, I would say. And in the south bank, it would be 
from Kajolgaon or Kajoli in those days to Kamaikya Hills. It's all hills. So, if somebody comes through uh, the river and uh, he plans to attack on both the banks, the people who are sitting at the bank would have a upper edge because they would be sitting at a height and attacking the army, attacking the enemy. So, uh, it would be like, uh, you know, fighting a war, sitting in your own home. And, and the one who is coming through the uh, river would have limited supply of ammunition, limited supply of men, because he'll be carrying all these things on a boat. So that was the main idea behind, you know, um, uh, behind, you know, fighting the war on the river Brahmaputra. They didn't allow the Bugals to enter the lands. It was always a war, war on the water. At few strategic places, they tried to enter through uh, through some opening or some you know breaches on on the ramparts that were built during those days, but they were uh, unsuccessful. So basically, they were not allowed inside. They had to use the river route only to fight the Ahoms. So and uh, the the main strategy of uh, you know uh, fighting the uh, Mughals was to, you know, guard this whole, these two impregnable walls of hills by keeping equal amounts of um, soldiers and leaders at regular intervals so that even if they plan to, you know, attack some point, uh, some uh, at, at a particular place, there will be enough soldiers and a leader to, you know, thwart that uh, attack. So, they tried at various places to enter. They utilized various strategies to enter, but they couldn't. And that was all because of the strategy used by Aton Buragohai and Lachit Borfukan. It's very interesting because I was going through this uh, chapter on Guwahati and you you titled it as the impregnable, impregnable Guwahati, yeah. right? So is it because it was never captured? I'm assuming it was because it was never captured. Mm -hmm. uh, but also what I found very interesting about your description of Guwahati and the historical accounts was the fact that in Guwahati, the Ahoms followed a very Mughal structure. Mm -hmm. uh, you, For instance, you say that they had this entire, entire Zamindari system like the Mughal uh, structure. Mm -hmm. Then you talk about the appointment of various people in a, in a like similar to what, let's say, in today's government would have in a very strategic location. Mm -hmm. For instance, you talk about Oton Borgohai in detail. Mm -hmm. uh, so he was somebody who was there. You talk about uh, the Sorbasas, the soldiers, specially trained soldiers who were there. So uh, while I think I just wanted, and I say this in detail because while we look into Upper Assam, uh, for instance, if we look into Zorhat or Sipsagar, we see a lot of monuments that were built by the Ahoms, whereas Gohati looked like a most strategic, of most strategic importance to the Ahoms. So, so tell me a bit about that. Is it is it, I mean, what I've said, does it make sense? Have I got been able to get a gist of your arguments in the book on that chapter? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Uh, well, uh, you have rightly pointed out that uh, mm. in Upper Assam, there are still monuments of Ahoms, but in, in uh, Gohati or Lower Assam, uh, there are very few. Uh, well, uh, some of the monuments are still there. Some of the temples are there, but, you know, uh, the kind of... Uh, preservation that could have been done. It was not done properly. Mm -hmm. For example, 
recently there has been a bungalow inaugurated at that particular place where Lachit uh, fought the war of the Battle of Saraighat. So that that is a very that is actually Itakuli. That place is Itakuli. So that could have been preserved well, right? This government has thought about it and they have preserved preserved that bungalow. But uh, if somebody would have thought before and they would have thought of you know preserving that particular fort which was built in those times, it would have been a much better thing. Similarly. Um, and and yeah, the difference of governance, I'd say, because uh, Gohati had been, you know, transferred to Mughals a few times. So the kind of governance which was happening in Gohati was different from the kind of governance that was happening happening in Upper Assam, and and the proper fabric or, or the proper you know uh, strategy that was be, that was uh, used while uh, governing this uh, lower Assam was taken from the Mughals. So they didn't want to disturb that, uh, you know, that uh, setting that was uh, during those times. And they, they thought of, you know, taking over that particular uh, system of governance. So it, it was, in, in fact, a better move than, you know, changing the whole system. So that's, that's what I feel. I think for our listeners, because you mentioned about the bungalow mm -hmm. uh, that was recently inaugurated, so could you tell us the name of the bungalow? Oh, it's it's uh, um, uh, Mahabahu Brahmaputra River Heritage Center. It was the old DC yeah. bungalow, and uh, mm -hmm. now they have converted into a heritage center because it's a very old uh, structure. It's uh, from the British era, so they have thought of preserving it and keeping it in in a form that people would love to visit and see that area. It's a beautiful I, place. I wanted you to mention this because, you know, while we are seriously talking about Lassit, mm -hmm. a very, I think, uh, something very memorable for you, I assume, was the fact that uh, you had recently, you know, put up this, your book, mm -hmm. you had uh, had a book signing session on that particular, you know, bungalow. Yeah. So I think it's, it's like a full circle. It, it was a book that. reading and book signing session and it was on Lassit Dibas. Yeah. So, you know, therefore, I wanted you to mention that specifically. But, you know, coming back to our discussion, mm -hmm. uh, while we discuss uh, Lasit and we discuss the glory of the Ahum, you know, kingdom, mm -hmm. we see a lot of times that the the reach of the kingdom has not been or the glorification of the kingdom has not been at par with, let's say, what the Rajputs mm -hmm. or any other kingdom in India or in pan-India population they know of. They, Ahum does not really count in the top five, top six mm -hmm. uh, dynasties mm -hmm. that are popular in spite of their continued resistance to the Mughal rule or to some extent even the Britishers mm -hmm. at a later stage. So do you think that for, for at least for Northeast, because other than Ahums, there were a lot of other dynasties which people don't even know of, mm -hmm. whereas they had their own moments of glory. Mm -hmm. So do you think that there is a need for uh, the historians specifically from this region to write more extensively and vigorously about the iconic uh, characters. Like you mentioned, it does not have to be historical, uh, you know, portrayal of a scenario itself. Sometimes it can take the form of history plus storytelling mm -hmm. so that it reaches out to more and more audience around the country and beyond. So do you think there's a need for that 
a, a serious rather and a great time because now that there is this, you know, whether we believe it or not, whether we agree or not, there is this serious, I think, rethinking of Indian history. Mm -hmm. So do you think this is the correct time for us to posture uh, that storytelling of Northeastern history? Obviously, obviously. India and the world? I, I truly believe that, you know, uh, the Northeast region has been neglected till now and uh, by the historians, uh, for the reasons best known to them, they could have easily inducted the history of the Northeast because Northeast has been an integral part of India. Uh, however, yes, uh, I truly believe that this is the correct time. And in fact, uh, let me tell you, there have been, you know, developments in this uh, scenario. A very big publishing house has uh, approached me to write a comprehensive history on the Northeast. Well, it's a very big project. I'm thinking about it if, if I'd like to take it or not. But uh, and being being I'm I'm not a historian, right? So to do justice to this book would need uh, a huge amount of research and and the uh, mindset to be a historian. So I'm I'm really thinking about it if I like would like to take the project or not. However, uh, there have been yes, there are many other characters about whom we can write. There are many other characters in the whole of Northeast who deserve attention. For example, uh, if we talk about tea, the name of Moniram Devan is synonymous with tea. He, he's the, he was the first person to bring tea to uh, India. Similarly, uh, if we mention about Bhagat Singh, if we mention about uh, Khudiram Bose and all the uh, freedom fighters, uh, I truly believe that the name of Kanaklata Borwa and uh, and uh, Gumadhar Kaur, all these names also deserve a place in among those. Similarly, we talk about Jalnyawala Bagh, but we don't talk about Phulaguri Dhewa, Pothorogatoron, we don't talk about all those place, uh, events. So, this history, the, the, the history of the Northeast should have been, you know, an integral part of the study curriculum as well. And uh, I, I truly believe that in uh, days to come, there will be more people who would write about the history of the Northeast in, in, in the story form, in a fiction, fictional, fictionalized way, so that people take it up and read it. And I truly believe good days are coming. You know, I think you, in a way, also answer something that I had a follow-up as, uh, as a follow-up to the question that I asked as to what, you know, because there's a lot of discussion recently as to the chapters that should be added uh, to NCRT and other course curriculum mm -hmm. from Northeast. There needs to be a more representation of the region. And I think the, the areas and the issues that you pointed out are certainly something that the, the NCRT can look into to add in the curriculum so that students have a fair idea of the, of the region. In addition to, you know, reading books about the region at a later stage in their life. Obviously, obviously, because, you know, if we can write about the, the Rajputs, the Mughals, the uh, rulers of Bengal, we can write about the Cholas, Chalukyas, Pandavas, Pandyas, every state or every part is, you know, covered in those curriculums, but not noticed. Why? Why is that discrepancy? It should not happen. At least the chapter in the uh, on the history of the Northeast should have been inducted. If they have not inducted till now, they should have uh, should do it. And and uh, I've mentioned it in the in my book as well. There are strategic places where the mention of Lachit Borfukan has been there. You know the uh, 
the best cadets medal for uh, I think INA is given in the name of Lachit Burfukan. So uh, at a few places where he deserves attention, they have given him the attention and the respect. However, in in the mass form or in the you know uh, in the eyes of the public, the mention is not proper. And and what I feel because a lot of uh, you know comments or reviews which I have received after writing this book is that people have said thank you for introducing us to Lachit Burfukan. It should not have happened. They would not say thank you for introducing us to Mahatma Gandhi or Bhagat Singh, right? So that <laughs> it pains, but you know we have to. Uh, there is still time. We can you know put all our glory forward. And I'd request other authors to to come up with good stories on the history of the Northeast. No, I think you're absolutely right. And even for our modern Indian history, you know, when we let's say and uh, let's say when we talk about Sardar Vallabhbhai Patel mm -hmm. and his role in integration and unification of India, I think equally important is the role of uh, you know somebody like. Our first chief minister, exactly. or rather prime minister, right? mm -hmm. so Gopinath Bodle's role in unification of this region. So I exactly. think the stories need to be told, and I think one another issue is, and obviously you know when Lasit is referred to as Ashoka of the East mm -hmm. or something, it's not as if uh, you know the comparison is good. I think they are both iconic characters mm -hmm. in their own stand and le needs to be left alone. Exactly. So I think that will only happen if the stories are <laughs> rightly put to the audience. And, and I think this I, is I, I one completely of, agree with you. This is one of the reasons why I wrote this book. One of the book uh, that is available in the market on Lachit, the, the title itself says, The Contemporary of Sivaji in Assam. So that should not have been there. The comparison should not have been there. Shivaji is Shivaji. Yes, we really appreciate his, you know, valor and sacrifice and the things he had done for Maharashtra. We also deserve that same attention. We do not need that comparison, right? I mean, they are they their own self-made yeah. heroes in their own right. So I think we should just leave them there yeah. where they are. But you know, coming to a more lighter note, mm -hmm. your book has been very successful. A lot of people, including us, appreciate the fact that you wrote on Lasit. Mm -hmm. But I think it is also equally, as you mentioned to, at the beginning of the podcast, is that it has been now in the process of adaptation into a movie. Mm -hmm. uh, it's going to be a Bollywood movie, we assume. Mm -hmm. So tell us a bit about that. Uh, well, uh, it has been acquired for adaptation on screen. So uh, we assume it to be a movie and uh, the Till now, I've spoken to the producer. He has said, "I'll I'll try to make it in a movie, but uh, there is every possibility that it can be made into a web series also. The movie is there, then they they might make it into a web series also, because they have taken the ex exclusive rights of the book. Uh, the producers are the producers of uh, Gangs of Wasipur, Tanuvets Manu, Shahid. Uh, they are known as the Almighty Motion Picture." Uh, it's a wing of the Bohra brothers. Bohra brothers have been in this business for a long, long time. And Sunil Bohra, one of the Bohra, Bohra brothers, he has, uh, you know, established a company called the Almighty Motion Picture Production House, and they have acquired the book. And uh, uh, probably uh, in about two, three years, we'll see Lachit uh, Borfukon in the big screen with uh, a few big names as actors. And fingers crossed, let's see what comes up. 
No, I think we really look forward to this. Mm-hmm. And on that note, we also thank you for, you know, joining our podcast and speaking to us mm-hmm. about this very significant, iconic character mm-hmm. of not only Assam, but India. Mm-hmm. I think it's not uh, every day that you see that a uh, bureaucrat gets time to, you know, uh, <laughs> to write a book and that to such a successful book that helps not only the audience who read the book, but everyone, I think, to know about a character who has been so iconic to to the entire nation. So thank you, Nilupal, for joining us. We wish you luck and we hope that you write more history and more such books which give us a knowledge of our, our, our past. Thank, so thank you. Thanks a lot. And I've been listening to Chicken Net Podcast. I've listened to a few uh, episodes in your first season. Uh, you've you've been doing a great work for the uh, region, for Northeast. And I wish you all the best for your future endeavors as well. And thank you for having me here today. Thank you. Thanks a lot.